The massive and rapidly growing amount of information that organizations must manage and secure is known as big data. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. To discuss the security implications of big data, I'm pleased to be joined by Danny Miller. He's a principal and national practice leader for cybersecurity and privacy at Grant Thornton, a global business and financial services advisor. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. I appreciate it, Derek. Thanks for having me on your show. Before we get into its security challenges, take a few moments to give your definition of big data. What we're seeing in both large and small companies cutting across all industries and all kinds is data that just seems to be building up over uh, a period. And from our perspective, big data is the accumulation of information that happens over a period of time that becomes, it gets to the point where it's unmanageable. And sometimes uh, organizations just don't realize what they're keeping, how they're keeping it, and over what length of time. And we're seeing data double in size uh, inside organizations every other year, and we don't see that really slowing down. So that, from, from our perspective, it's everything from emails to metadata to transactional data that we're seeing organizations just keep forever in some cases. When we previously spoke, I was intrigued by your observation that one of the challenges of managing and securing big data is the fact organizations, as you just indicated, are drowning in data. Can you explain a little further about that? Sure. We advise our clients that unless there's a business reason or a regulatory reason, that you should get rid of your data. If there is no reason to keep it, you should get rid of it because it's a risk. We're seeing organizations, when we come into them, where they don't have a data retention policy, which basically says, this is how we're going to treat data through an entire life cycle. So they don't have that, and they also don't classify their data. And what I mean by that is, we believe that not all data is created equal. The email that is between two colleagues discussing where to go to lunch today shouldn't be secured in the same way that unreleased financial reports by that same company uh, that were created. Those two pieces of information should be secured differently and they should be retained differently. So that email should probably be gotten rid of a lot faster or be deleted a lot faster than say those unreleased financial reports. So that's, that's what we're seeing out there as far as organizations and what they're not doing is uh, they're not classifying data and they're not determining how long they keep data. And as a result of that and the fact that storage is so cheap now, in a number of cases, they're just keeping them forever. To be able to secure data, which goes to, I think, the point you're making, in a way is also knowing what data you have out there, which is, I guess, part of the classification of it. Right. Why is that such a challenge for organizations? Well, because the storage is so cheap and you have people that have their laptops that they can have practically an unlimited amount of, of data there locally on their machine or be able to simply walk away with it on a stick drive or, or something like that. What happens inside organizations is you'll have business units that will get pretty sophisticated with their, uh, with their technology usage. What will happen is you'll have a data, a central data storage, perhaps of some transactional data, and that's being well controlled and it's being managed appropriately. But then because there's this distributed computing environment that happens across organizations, 
and these tools that are available to business units to analyze data very, in a very sophisticated way, we're seeing almost like many IT departments be created inside the business unit. And as a result of that, we're seeing data that's being stored on people's machines or inside the, the business unit itself on other equipment. And as a result of that, you know, there's just this growing level of, of information sometimes, which is very sensitive, should be secured or highly secured and is not because it's all over the place inside the enterprise. And as a result of that, the security organization has a difficult time managing that, the security over data. You, you may end up having things like personal health information, unreleased financials, other you know kinds of really sensitive data all over the enterprise. And even if they're securing data at that record of source level, what they're not able to do is manage it as it's being distributed out. So we see that happen everywhere, no matter what size organization. So how, how does one govern that? One of the things we're seeing this across the board, not only here in the United States, but across the world, we're seeing companies that when they do have breaches where they've been hacked and information has been taken out of the organization and exposed to the world or sold, we're seeing that organizations have really just not followed the fundamentals of good security. It's not sexy. It's not something you know, super sophisticated in a number of cases that gets you hacked. In fact, the Verizon data breach report indicated that 95% of the breaches that happened this last 12 months were simply because they just didn't follow fundamental security. So what we're doing is we're, we're telling our clients to go back to the basics. Go go do the fundamental things that will help you secure your organization and the information that, that, you, that you do. So we're recommending that they follow a very basic data security lifecycle, if you will. These will help them stay secure, keep their information and their customers' information and their employees' information in a way to where they can secure it and make sure that they're not keeping too much data because as we're finding out, especially on the payment part front, we're telling our clients, if you do not need that data, you don't need that information, you need to destroy it because it represents a risk the organization every day that you keep it. In that data security life cycle, there are six steps, six pieces to that that organizations really should observe. And it doesn't matter whether it's an on-premise computing organization where you're all in-house on, on the IT side and everything's mainframe or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's that or if it's even a cloud-based type of computing organization. These all fit. They all apply. These are just the basics. There are six steps. So creation of data, storage of data, using data, sharing data, archiving data, and then destroying data. Within each one of those, there's some, some things you really need to be thinking about from a data security and information protection perspective. On the front end, when you're creating data, you shouldn't just just be looking at, at it as an event where if somebody creates a piece of data, you've now got to store it. You really need to think about this differently. You need to classify that data. I'm not talking about a very sophisticated or complicated classification schema. I'm really talking about just a few buckets, if you will, or categories that you would talk about or classify your data, whether it's 
public and anybody can see it, like a press release, all the way up to unreleased financial statements or uh, personal health information. Those kinds of things should be classified and they should have their own retention schedule. So when they're created, they need to be tagged, if you will, as to how they're retained and how they're secured. And then when, once, you're, once you've created that data, you need to assign rights to that data. That's another step that's very, very important in understanding how do you secure that, that information. And then you know, once, of course, you, you create data, you're, you're going to want to store it, and you need to apply access controls based on those rights I just talked about to that data as it's being stored. And where is it being stored? Where it's domiciled out of uh, is very important these days because of the different laws that now apply to information protection, whether it's something related to state or at the federal level or if it actually goes overseas and is stored or is in transit there. All those European, Asian laws apply. So it's really going to depend on how you do it. And because of some of the sensitivity of the data, we really do recommend, especially since it is easy to do nowadays and it's not expensive, we are asking our clients to re-examine encryption. It's not as hard as it used to be. It's not as expensive. And it really does make a big, big difference in the inside organization. And then once it's stored, um, you know, we want to use it. We want to be able to pull it back up. We want to use it for analysis. Because of that, we need to monitor the activity around the, uh, the use of data, and especially if it is sensitive data. We need to understand how it's being used, who's using it, and where are they using it. Those are you know, very critical things. And we also need to make sure that if there is an application or a series of applications that's using data or touching your data or, or reading it, we need to make sure that we've got good application security inside those applications and giving rights to that app, both that data inside those applications. Those are critical from the segregation of duties uh, perspective, as well as need to know. And we are examining in a number of our clients what people inside the organization need to know and need to have access to and making sure that they don't have too many or too much rights. Beyond use, there is sharing. And of course, in this age where it seems like every organization is sharing information with other companies, other organizations, other people, especially in the social media age, this has become a real boondoggle for a number of companies that are creating and, and acquiring and storing very sensitive information, very highly secure information because of that, of that whole premise around sharing and distributing data for analysis on a broad audience. We'll go into an organization, let's say it's a, a HIPAA audit or a security review over information. We'll ask our client, where are this, these kinds of, this kind of data? And then, then we'll say, okay, well, okay, how are you securing it? And we'll look at that, we'll test it. And then what we'll do is we'll actually use some of our tools like data data leakage prevention tools to go out and look at, look for certain kinds of data in the organization that match that sensitive information. 
our clients are always amazed, as am I, uh, where I find different kinds of data that, that would should be highly confidential and should be secured strictly. Because we, we, we use these tools, they'll go out and find across an organization uh, where they're, they're at, whether they're on a desktop, on a web share, all kinds of places. The other thing that we use these uh, data leakage prevention tools to do is to look at the flow of information. Where does it originate from and where does it go to? Sometimes we'll find um, very significant holes in the security of an organization by looking at the flow of information. That's very highly critical that we, we look at that. And then finally, from an archival perspective, once you've, you've now gone through the majority of the life cycle for data, you need to back it up. You need to archive that data and really look at making sure that you've got uh, certain kinds of data that are backed up and shared in secure facilities versus just the standard backup. Should that information be encrypted? And what we're telling our clients is, should you encrypt? We're, we're telling people, why aren't you encrypting? Why shouldn't you instead of, uh, you know, the reverse? You need to also manage those archivals as a, an asset because they are they're valuable. The information that you have is critical. You need to make sure that you manage it as if it is an, an asset. And then finally, when you've made it through that life cycle, when it's run its course from a life perspective, it's run its uh, become into life for that information. In our opinion, it must be destroyed because it represents a risk. Secure shredding, secure you know, crypto shredding, of information, making sure that the information is completely gone and that it cannot be recovered is critical in this day and age. The example I give is an organization I used to work at where it was only 15 years old. It was starting to become a mature company, very, very respected, and we were sued by a former employee who worked with the, um, the original founder uh, in its early days uh, that employee was suing for wrongful termination. So the result of that, we had a discovery order uh, given to us by, by a judge, and we met with our internal counsel to talk through that. One of the things that we were asked was, do we have a data retention policy? We said no. And we'd never put one in place. The order to go and look for information, no matter how old it was, even to the back to the first day of the company, was in force. If we'd had a data retention policy, we would have simply said, I'm sorry, our the data, this kind of data is only retained X number of years and then we destroy it, and that would have been fine. But in this case, because we had actually kept backups from day one of the company and we didn't have a data retention policy, we that we had to actually go and recover those emails and other files related to that employee, even though they were from many years ago. So we ended up having to re-implement some systems that were no longer in existence, and it cost us millions of dollars to have to recover that information for the discovery order. Even though we won that case, in a way, we lost because it cost us millions of dollars to, to settle through it. Who should own or lead the uh, the six-step life cycle approach? I think it's a shared responsibility. I think that the, the CIO needs to 
oversee that, but certainly the, the security officer over a, a, an organization needs to be responsible for operating it or making sure that it gets operated. Beyond that, down to uh, holding data owners in the business organization accountable for how that, that information is being handled and, and ultimately destroyed, uh, I think that's the change. So you have to go into the IT and security organization, but it needs to also be inside the business organization. It's not a difficult thing to educate business data owners uh, once they understand just at a high level, like I explained it, how to do this. It, it's, uh, it's actually quite easy to educate. Is it a process, of, especially when destroying the data that's no longer needed, one that can be automated? Yeah, it, it very much can. In, in companies like Iron Mountain and others, even some of the drive makers out there like EMC are involved in this. They, they understand that this is a problem. They, they are coming up with solutions on that front, and they work with vendors all the time to understand how, in an automated way, how can we go through the archival process and then through the ultimately through the destruction process. It, it takes some initial discipline, uh, defining the policy, uh, making sure you, uh, you put the mechanisms in place to do it, and then have a rotational basis for, for doing that. The only thing that I've seen is where some companies are a little bit concerned about automating it too much, but we always give them an override so that if, if necessary, we, we can go through an exception process or something can be retained for a, a separate retention site. You can definitely automate that process. Thanks, Danny. All right. I've been speaking about big data with Grant Thornton's Danny Miller. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.